Do you know a woman who is driving positive change, growth, or innovation in her organization or community? The second annual Success Women of Influence Awards are underway. So whether a friend, a family member, or peer, give the recognition she deserves. The Success Women of Influence Awards honor, celebrate, and empower the extraordinary women whose contributions have impacted their industries and their communities, and the personal and professional lives of those in their world. Visit success.com slash W-O-I to nominate the women of influence in your life today. If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hello, dear friend, and welcome to In the Details. I'm your host, Karen Allen, and welcome back to another episode. We are just charging along. I am so excited. We are wrapping up 2023 with a bang, including today's guest. I'm sitting down with Lisa Sun, the founder and CEO of the revolutionary confidence company, Gravitas. After being told she lacked Gravitas earlier in her career, followed by a two-decade-long exploration of confidence, Lisa is here to redefine what we know about self confidence. In her brand new book titled Gravitas, The Eight Strengths That Redefine Confidence, Lisa doesn't just share her own personal journey. She dives deep into a 1,000-person survey revealing the unique confidence languages women across the globe resonate with. I'm really looking forward to diving into that. From advising global luxury brands at McKinsey and Company to launching a fashion line celebrated by icons like Oprah, Lisa is on a mission to inspire and empower women from the inside out. Today, we'll explore her insights, dive into the journey that has brought her to where she is today, and discover how she cracked the code to help women build their own self-worth on their own terms. Let's get in the details with Lisa Sun. Lisa, welcome. Karen, thank you so much for having me. This is the highlight of my day. (laughs) Likewise, because as soon as I saw what you were about, I was like, oh, we're cut from the same cloth. We need to sit down and have a conversation. (laughs) Those are the best type of connections, right? Which is when we connect beyond demography and we connect on values or beliefs. You said it earlier when we were prepping for this that I would like to be your friend. I'd like to apply to be in in your friend tier. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm pretty sure this friend circle is just growing larger and larger and larger because we have so many of us that are really fighting for what we believe is is naturally available to us, right? Which is our gifts, our talents, and we do not have to dim our light for anyone. And we all, all these different conversations that I've had with powerful women like yourself and also very influential men as well, but mainly in this in the space of the powerful women, we're really doing it in our own talents, right? Which I think is so beautiful. It's the mosaic of humanity, right? We're all kind of cut differently, shaped differently, yet when we come together, we're this beautiful, beautiful image. So I would love to dive straight in with, honestly, the title of the book, Gravitas, the eight strengths that redefine confidence. That is so powerful and I cannot wait to read it. But can you tell us about the moment that you realized that Gravitas was the central theme of your life's work? Well, when I was 22 years old, I was a first-year business analyst at McKinsey and Company, and my first boss told me I lacked gravitas. My opening line of my professional review was, "Lisa comes across as young and overly enthusiastic at times. She should seek to have more gravitas." I didn't know what the word meant, by the way. I had to go LIU look it up 
And it said dignity, importance, and depth of substance. And at 22 years old, does anyone really have that, right? It's sort of a good question for all of us, but we've all received the feedback of you need to have more gravitas, you need to be more confident. Mm -hmm. And when I asked my boss, how do you get gravitas? She said, go buy a new dress, wear big jewelry and great shoes, which is pretty offensive feedback. I was making $43,000 a year in 2001, size 1820. And my boss just told me to buy new clothes. And when I asked her why, she said, okay, the story is when you wake up in the morning, you're the first person you have to look at in the mirror and you have to like yourself. I can teach you how to be good at this job, but I can't teach you how to like yourself. I put on a great dress and it reminds me I can do this job. Dumbo did not need a feather to fly, but it reminded him that he could. So whatever that is for you, you need to remind yourself to believe in yourself. And I know you're a huge advocate of mindset. But it really wasn't about clothes. It was about a mindset that means I'm strong enough to do this job as opposed to walking into every situation fearing what weaknesses I might have or things that I don't know how to do. And I really love that flip. And I started my company with a mission to catalyze confidence. Mm, And so getting that feedback, she said, go buy the dress, go get it, whatever it was. Did you do that? Or did you find a different way of tapping into what she was really trying to get to? And how immediate was that change? It was pretty immediate. I did go buy the new dress and it didn't really work the first time, right? It was sort of, but but it kicked off what I think of as a journey to making a choice to believe in myself. And I, I do constantly say gravitas is a choice and a mindset, not a behavior. I don't think she was asking me to behave differently because mindset drives behavior. She was asking me to think differently about myself. And so as a result, I did buy the new dress. I did work with a executive coach to work on my presence, right? There were things that I did, but without that feedback, and I do believe feedback is a gift, mm-hmm. I would not have kicked off a whole new way of thinking about myself and mm-hmm. thinking about this topic. It, it's been two decades of really reflecting on what it means to be confident. Mm, but the fact that you were open to feedback that's the real magic because, right? That's where we kind of get caught in our own way. So I always say the mentor chooses you. You don't choose the mentor. Make yourself mentorable. And what I mean by that is if you ask people, what's one thing, not just for feedback, but what's one thing I could do better? People become very invested in your journey. People feel like they have their fingerprints over your success. They're not just allies, but they're champions. And so I do believe the more that we can receive feedback, we have to give it, but more importantly, if we can receive it, it helps us all feel like we're not alone on this journey. So many of us are pretending to be superheroes. I'm pretty open about, tell me one thing I could do better, right? Karen, after this podcast, I hope you'll tell me one thing I could do better. Uh, and and that, I, I, I think it means that there's no destination. It's just the journey that is powerful. You know, things don't get easier. We get stronger. Hmm. Absolutely. And we really need to get better at normalizing feedback in the workplace, in relationships, especially if you do have this growth mindset where you are looking to get better, then feedback is really important because don't you want to know what it's like to be on the other side of you? <laughs> don't you want to know what it's like to interact or to, you know, to be uh, on the receiving end of someone getting your service? I mean, that is such important and valuable information, but I do want to back up a little bit, something that you said earlier, and I believe very strongly in this, but I would love for you to unpack it for our listeners. You mentioned that confidence is a choice and I agree. However, 
Can you elaborate on this idea? How can someone actively choose confidence in their daily life, especially if they don't feel it? Well, let's go back a little bit, which is we are born fully self-confident. Ask any five-year-old what they're the best at in the world, and they'll tell you right away, unabashedly, I'm the best at soccer, I'm the best at hugs, I'm the best at everything. By the way, there's no way to measure this. This is in their head, right? They truly believe they're the best at something. And then in our adolescence, I always say it starts around nine or 10, we start to experience setbacks, disappointments. We start to be self-aware. That turns into Mm self-consciousness. And all of a sudden, we start to dim the light of that inner child. And we, in my book, talk about the six forces that start to impede on us as we move into adulthood. And as a result, it's this lifelong balancing act between being self-aware and self-confident. Now, a five-year-old can do it without thinking. It's unconscious to them. But all of a sudden, as adults, we have to break that cycle. We have to be able to sit in the midst of our flaws and hold ourselves in high regard. And so why do I call it a choice? Because you have to be conscious of it. You have to understand that, guess what? I used to be this way. All of these forces acting against me, it's not my fault, but I need to be aware of that in order to do something about it. The analogy I use is I dress thousands of women a year still, and every woman, doesn't matter how fit, how beautiful she is, comes into a dressing room with self-loathing. Okay, It is the perfect analogy for how we all start on the day. Before we've even started a fitting, she'll come in with a mindset that is, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I've always hated my arms. I don't like my thighs. She comes in with this long list of things she hates about herself. And I always say, okay, look, for 10 minutes, I know you only have 30 minutes and they're all, every woman's busy, but for 10 minutes, we have to reset the tone of this room. And I said, we're not going to look at clothes. I'm a dress whisperer. I get it right on the first time. So you have to trust me that I'll find something that fits you, not you fit into it. By the way, how many times do you buy something and you blame yourself if it doesn't fit versus blame the product, right? I'm like, I'm really good at what I do. And I said, I, for 10 minutes, I'm going to ask you a series of questions about your life. What are you the most proud of? in the last six months? What are you the best at in the world? What do you do for everyone around you? And all of a sudden, the woman comes in negative, busy, stressed, and all of a sudden, her shoulders relax. And she goes, well, I had this really big promotion at work this year, or my kid graduated from high school. And all of a sudden, she starts smiling. I don't allow mirrors in the dressing room because as soon as you see yourself undressed, you don't want to try and close. So I try to create a mindset that we're going to win in this dressing room because you came in with a deficit mindset. You were focused on your weaknesses, your flaws. You know, when you look in the mirror, do you see the wrinkle or do you see your sparkling eyes, right? There's a whole mindset shift that happens. Every time a woman leaves the dressing room, she goes, this is a skinny mirror. I'm like, nope, it's from Bed Bath & Beyond. Rest in peace, Bed Bath & Beyond. But it's from (laughs) Bed Bath & Beyond. It's 1995. She goes, what did you do? I said, we set you up to succeed and not to fail. Mm. And that is why I say confidence is choice. She had to make a choice with me. I said, you need to choose in this moment, if you want me to do this work with you, that for 10 minutes, you're going to let all the negativity leave this room and we're going to succeed and win in this room. And that's what I mean by confidence is a choice. Mm -hmm. But you're doing something else in that moment. You are giving that client the opportunity to reflect on the things that they probably just didn't let their mind 
focus on because it, we have a, you know, a negative bias in our brain and we're always focused on the things that are wrong or the pain that could possibly come or, and that's comes from, you know, instinctual fight or flight. So that's something that we need to rewire. Actually have a great episode about the ancestral brain with Dr. Rebecca High. So folks can go check that out, but it is that negative, that negativity bias is something that's a default for us. So let's first accept that. But then we don't have to stay there. That's the choice. This we are. I really love how we can vibe just on this little word, the choice, Lisa, because it's so powerful. So Karen, you just hit on something I read about my book, which is I'm glad you're talking about the amygdala hijack, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever we face fear or face an upset, the amygdala is the most primitive part of our brain. It shows up first. It's mm-hmm. flight, fight, or freeze. You see a snake, flight, fight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. The neocortex arrives 10 seconds later. It's literally biological. It's neuroscience, right? That's why your mom says count to 10 before you respond. But that 10 seconds is the time frame in which the part of your brain that controls your strengths, your talents, your self-esteem, the values you hold about yourself takes 10 seconds for it to arrive. And so that's what I do for women all the time. As I said, let's pause. You came in with your amygdala <laughs> and I need the other part of your brain that can genuinely assess who you are and value yourself. And there are so many people who can't answer my question, what are you the best at in the world? Mm. And I said, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's a real problem. For your listeners, just take a moment. Mm -hmm. What are you the best in the world? No one is better than you at this. It's in your head. I can't measure it, but I can tell you now, I am the world's best plus one. Please invite (laughs) me to a party with you, Karen. I am the world's, I will fetch your drinks. I will meet other people. I believe that about myself. Mm -hmm. I'm also the world's best positivity mirror that when we spend time together, I will see something that you may not have even seen in yourself and I will reflect it back on you. Mm -hmm. But that I know, I know that to be true about me. And that is the difference between faking it to make it or performative behaviors or pretending to be confident versus an unshakable belief in yourself about what makes you uniquely you. Absolutely. And when you embark on this journey of self-discovery, I found there are three things that you learn how to do. You actually learn to love yourself. You get to know yourself and you also learn to trust yourself. And when you do those three things, that absolutely skyrockets the way that you view yourself in this world. And you just said something, positivity mirror. We really need those in our circle right? Because there are going to be times where we're not going to see it. I'm very grateful. My best friend, Taryn, she and I have embarked on this journey. And a lot of times she'll say, Hey, don't forget this. Or I tell her about a win and then she'll remind me of it another time. Or And we need those around us. Your clients are so fortunate and blessed to have you for even that moment. But that's something that we should have in our inner circle. And when we have all of that, you know, the dynamics that are happening within ourselves, also what's happening around us. I mean, that really, I, I imagine because I've experienced it, it catapults the way that you bring yourself to the world. And it gives you more space to expand, which then is like, that's part of the journey of self-discovery, right? And I feel like there is this relationship between gravitas, confidence, and self-love. Do you you think there's like an overlap there that's important for people to dive into so that they can experience the highest level of themselves? 
Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm going to go there with you. First of all, I love that you have a partner on your journey. I, I, mine is Jane Park and she calls, she calls us shame buddies, by the way, because she's like, I can tell you anything and know that you won't judge me, but we also love win buddies, right? She's like, I just need someone. And I talk to her every single day. She's on vacation right now. So it's really, I'm really struggling, but we do this thing where we're like, just say all the things Mm -hmm. and we'll just let it unloose. And like, I see you. Great. Let's talk about how you're going to take this on. I do think it's important to have a partner. She calls it shame buddies. That's her phrase. I I think of it as my win buddy, but you know, two sides, same point. And we, we call it our judgment-free zone whenever we like hold that space for one another. (laughs) Yes. Well, and, and the thing that I want to build on is I think we have reduced the idea of confidence to a hashtag and an Instagram post. Mm -hmm. And it underplays the immense amount of work that self-love does require. And so when I, when you're talking about your three parts to this, right, I want to make sure people know that that's real work and it's very hard work, Yes. but it's worth it at the end. And by the ongoing, I'm still on my journey and to separate out these ideas. When we talk about our philosophy, first of all, confidence, it's a choice, it's a mindset, but it's framed around your strengths and talents. If you look up the word confidence in a dictionary, it is an understanding and appreciation of one's own abilities and talents. Mm -hmm. It's not about swagger. It's not about puffing up your chest and speaking up. It's truly about, can you take a self-affirming inventory of your own strengths? So that is the basis of the mindset to know how strong am I already for this journey ahead? We call it a confidence language. We've identified these eight superpowers. Most of us have two or three. My mom has all eight. She took our quiz and she said, I have all eight. It's true, by the way, 2% of women have all eight. And then the journey to gravitas is, can you stand in that power? Let people know that these are your strengths. Deploy them. Create solution space that's outside of your comfort zone. And then the most important part is figure out for the situations in life, are there other superpowers I want to cultivate? Are there other ones I don't naturally have that I want to learn? And that's what we call, we call gravitas a total approach to living with self-assurance because it does not eliminate self-doubt. It does not eliminate the inner critic. It incorporates that as part of the learning process. Mm-hmm. And on your own journey, was there a pivotal aha moment when you truly felt that you uncovered and embraced your own gravitas? I do it every day because I've got to practice what I preach. I I always, I love the James Clear quote. You write the books you most need to read yourself, right? You write, you write the advice that you most need. Uh, When we, in March of 2020, we make women's workwear. And so the sales of our company weren't zero. They were negative. We have a 30 day return policy. So if you had just bought a dress to go to an event or a conference or go to work, you sent it right back to us. We refunded more than we sold. Talk about the amygdala hijack fantasy zone, right? This is a moment where you could really be paralyzed. And in, instead of that, I told my team, let's pause. What are our superpowers? What are our confidence languages? My top ones are leading, performing, creating, and giving. That means I can set direction. I can rally the troops. I can communicate. I can create something from nothing. I'm the daughter of immigrants. Mm-hmm. I can envision possibility and I can give. And what we did is we pivoted our business for 72 days and made hospital gowns and face masks. Mm. It was a pivot with purpose in our heart and not with profit in mind, to be clear. 
But that's where you know your superpowers matter. If I had focused on what we didn't have versus what we did have, we wouldn't have had the gas in the tank to be a speedboat when everyone else is an aircraft carrier. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's so much power in the pause. There's so there much really in, the, is. in a moment that you're responding to a situation or in the moment that you're responding to literally, I, I mean, life changing moments, anything or responding to a kid. I have a 12 year old. So that oh, okay. is so, real. <laughs> so you are in the moment where that inner child is starting to be dimmed. You are in it, but, you know, it, it's the pause and then it's redefining what it means to pivot. And, and I looked up the word uh, pivot in the dictionary. And one of the definitions was not about the change in direction. It's the central point on which you turn. Mm -hmm. And one of my biggest insights in writing this book was that central point, you have to know how strong it is. Mm -hmm. How do you know that unless you do the work of defining your talents, your distinctive assets and capabilities? And I think if you have a 12-year-old, this is the hardest point, right? There's so much self-doubt creeping into that that person's life. Mm -hmm. So how do you genuinely self-affirm what they already bring to the table naturally. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I started doing just really early on, and I didn't realize it was just coming from the heart and I didn't realize or take inventory of what I was doing until this past week. And I'll be honest, it was a TikTok that made me realize what I was doing. (laughs) I love the tickety talk. What I say to my son, because he is such a good hearted person is I praise him in front of other people. And I say things like, I'm lucky to have a kid who is a good human. I am lucky to have, you know, a a child who is kind or a person. And I say these things because I know, and I remember what it was like to lose sight of myself and preteen going into teenage years. So when I saw this girl sharing it on the TikTok, she said, She remembered how her mom would say that during her teenage years, when all of her friends' parents were talking about how challenging they were and how hard it was and how they weren't listening. And it it is such a good reminder that the words around us matter, but the words that we have inside really matter. And I love that example. So someone who read an advanced copy of my book, uh, so we, we talk about these eight strengths, these eight superpowers. And society, by the way, only talks about two of them. So the two that most are talked about are performing and leading, right? You're in charge, assertive, and you stand on a stage and speak up. Mm -hmm. There are six other qualities that we defined as quite important. And she said, you know what? I always describe my daughter as shy. Whenever we're around people, I say, oh, she's shy. Mm -hmm. She goes, I read your book. And guess what? She's high on knowing. She reads three books a month achieving. She gets things done at a level and quality that I would not expect from a child, right? And she goes, I'm no longer going to describe my daughter as shy because society has told me that being outspoken and charismatic is valuable, but my daughter has so much value outside of that. Mm -hmm. And so she said, now she's starting to say, my daughter reads three books a month. She is (laughs) definitely the smartest person in this room. I, and And what was interesting is she said she started her daughter's body language started to change, right? If you say someone is shy because that carries a negative connotation, they slump their shoulders, they hide even more behind you, right? But saying, my daughter reads three books a month. Isn't that unbelievable? Mm -hmm. And her daughter will still, you know, sort of have the smaller smile and, and, and be humble about it. But she said that just changes the way I introduce my daughter to other people. 
Yes. Words are powerful. They are so, so powerful. All right, friends, we're going to pause for just a quick second to spotlight some folks who support the show. So we'll be back in just a moment. Are you ready to supercharge your life and get access to more opportunities than you've ever dreamed of? Then join me, James Whitaker, in the Win the Day Accelerator. Presented by Success, this entire eight-part program has been created to help you activate your winning life once and for all. You'll gain clarity on your goals and purpose. You'll learn how to quickly overcome challenges and you'll get proven tips and frameworks that will deliver you big results fast in all areas of your life. So if you're ready to win, join me in the Win the Day Accelerator. To sign up, visit success.com slash WTD. So how do we hold on to our confidence or actually I'll ask this a different way. How did you choose confidence and what applicable way were you consciously choosing confidence during this transition you were making from McKinsey, you know, as a consultant into launching Gravitas as a brand. And I'm asking about that specifically because you gave a great example of, you know, in 2020 when things were going and you had to take a moment, which for a lot of people were like, hold on, how are we doing business? We need to, you know, shift, pivot, whatever word you want to use there, but making a huge leap of faith from one thing that you've known for a while into a new area. That's something that even a lot of our listeners maybe have experienced or are on the brink of experiencing because, listen, they're high achievers here in this audience. So how can we harness and choose confidence when we're in the midst of transition? If you could draw from your own experience, that would be great. For sure. I mean, between McKinsey and starting this company, I took a year off and I recognize it's a luxury. I, I recognize that most people don't have the luxury of a year off. But it was important for me, talking about pause, it was important for me to pause and be quiet with my thoughts for the first time in over a decade. And I don't think we ever allow our, our brains just to turn off for a year or even an hour. I do this now every week, by the way. I still turn off all my, my devices for two hours on, on the weekend because I just need that time to just sit inside whatever I'm feeling. And so the most important thing I did for myself is I created white space in my life. Mm -hmm. I created the permission to think about potential and possibility. And during that time, I did, I asked myself three questions and I I don't know if it's really about confidence, but more Mm self-reflection. One is what am I good at? Two, what do I love to do? Mm -hmm. And three, what am I passionate about? And they sound similar, but the answers were very different. I realized that the things that I was good at as a consultant were not things that I loved to do. Mm. And that if I had had our quiz back then, I would have known that my confidence language, my superpowers did not line up with my job description, right? Mm. The, the, the superpowers I needed to be an effective consultant while I was very good at them didn't fit what I naturally love to do and who, what I was passionate about. And so that self-reflection led me down the path of, I've got to do this for myself. There's an impact I want to make in the world. I want to make a difference for women. And this is, there's got to be a different vehicle for it. The real part of it is my mom convinced me to do this. My mom said, go bet on yourself. You know, how much money did you save? Oh, good. She's the one that convinced me and pushed me over the line because she saw my purpose and my potential. And I do think we need those nudges every once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's a part of my book where I show a screen grab of an email my mom sent me. And I asked her if she liked our website. This was about six months before we launched the company. 
never tell a Taiwanese mother what Google Analytics is, okay? <laughs> because I wake up every morning and there's like 40 clicks from Taiwan. And I said, what did you do? She goes, I go on the website, make sure nothing broken. <laughs> still to this day, 10 years later. But I sent her a simple email. Do you like the website? And she said, yes, you will success mom. Hmm. Talk about somebody who lives with gravitas. She is the embodiment of the very mindset that I'm trying to cultivate in myself every day and others. But to recap, it's you've got to give yourself the white space. You've got to do the self-reflection. And then to get over the line to take a risk like this, you need to know what your strengths are. And mm -hmm. I and I did. I, I did know, I mean, the daughter of an immigrant, I did know I could create something from nothing. I grew up with it. I saw it real hand. I knew that I wanted to lead. I knew that, you know, there were things that I wanted to do that... I had the strength to do that. I had the fuel in the tank. Mm -hmm. You can't go out and do your own thing until you know the reserves of power you already have within you. Mm, I love that. And you, as you say this, it's reminding me of one of my favorite books, The Great Work of Your Life by Stephen Koch, where he talks about your dharma and how it comes in so many different forms. And it's not always this big, you know, grand gesture. It's not always a, a global company that can, you know, feed hundreds of thousands of people. It's not, it's actually really just very simply tapping into your strengths, following what brings you energy. And when you do that, you become the great service to the world that you're meant to be. And one of my favorite lines from the book, I actually say this often in my keynote, is you don't have to save the whole world. You just have to serve your corner of the world well. And it sounds like that's exactly what you've done. Karen, you just hit a big point and I will add to what you've just said, but also my answer to how I made that transition. One of the most important things, and I don't practice this always, but you just remind me, the ability to live free from external validation. Mm. Mm. And to be able to validate we give, hold on, Lisa, we got to give a snap <laughs> for that. We got to give a snap for that. Yes, yes. yes. Um, because leaving McKinsey and Company, you know, and some of your listeners may not know it, but it is a very prestigious firm, right? And the business cards were sick, and the corporate Amex had an you know unlimited charge to it. And so, you know, that's certainly not my life now as an entrepreneur. Don't let any entrepreneur telling you tell you they're crushing it. We're all dying slowly inside. <laughs> We're right? all it trying is, to figure it out. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, like, there's no overnight success. Like, you only get celebrated mm -hmm. once you have a big event happen. But for 10 to 20 years, we're toiling. And so one of the things that was really important for me in that transition, and I'm still doing it, right? It's still hard to break that, is I was raised by a tiger mom. I was raised by a woman who I love dearly, but equated achievement with self-worth. You know, you're coming number one in your class. And by the way, it's also a way to bury the shame of not speaking the language, right? Like I don't, I'm an immigrant, but my daughter's going to this fancy college, right? There, there is some part of that in that. But so much of my self-worth up until I left McKinsey was tied to metrics, right? Did I get the promotion? Did I lose the weight? Did I, you know, and when you break that cycle, when you free yourself from the need to be validated by external metrics, it's amazing. It's scary, but it's amazing. And it's the only reason why I can scroll through Tiki Talk or Instagram and not compare myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have to continually say, because that's the initial thing. It's like, why is that person always on vacation? Why do they always have the perfect outfit on? Mm -hmm. And I always have to remind that's a small window into their life. You know that I know that when I post, 
it always looks better on Instagram. I tell everybody that like, there, you're doing so well. I'm like, it always looks better on Instagram. Let's be clear, slowly dying inside. But I know what I'm doing every day makes a difference for other people. So I can validate myself with my own value rather than seeking that validation. I have a good friend that when she posts on Instagram stories, she'll see who's viewed it. And I always go, why are you doing that? Oh, I just want to see who I'm like, I never check. I never see how many people, I never pull up that panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably because I didn't know it existed, right? I'm like <laughs> in my 40s. There's still so many things on my phone I don't know how to do. But I said, I didn't post it because I wanted to be validated, right? I posted it because there was something special I wanted to share with my friends and family. And I wanted them to be a part of this moment and, uh, or to hear this story or to see something I reposted. If only one person looked at it, I'm still good. It was the very act that I wanted to share this moment with someone else. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was going through my own self-discovery of what does social media really mean to me? Because I don't want to capture every single moment of my life. And I don't want to lose my life thinking about every single moment I need to capture. And it got to the point where it was the same mindset that you're talking about. I just want to share. I want to use this as a vehicle to share about the things that I'm passionate about in hopes that it's going to help someone else. And when you release all of those external expectations or validations, then you actually find a new sense of peace and presence in everything that you do, which I also attest to meditation, (laughs) like allowing myself to be more in the present that has definitely penetrated all areas of my life and released anything else that may be tied to what I expect this thing to do in my life. And thank you for mentioning that because that is a very powerful piece that I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out how do I let go of that? How can I still, but this is such a great way, your book, everything you're talking about, what you stand for. This is such a great way to explain how we can really transition into that and step into the fullness that has already been given to us. As soon as we were born, it was here. And, you know, and Karen, one of the things that I didn't want to do is I didn't want to write a book that didn't have data behind it. And so what I found is that it's really hard for people to take an inventory of their talents. And we did a thousand person quantitative study on confidence in America. And when we identified these eight superpowers, I said, can we develop a quiz where people can see right away, which of these they have. Uh, And we've launched myconfidencelanguage.com. So you can actually get an assessment and I did. We will put that in the show notes because okay, I'm sure so everybody think, has been thinking about that throughout this conversation. How do I Where find my superpowers? <laughs> and and I, obviously, I would love people to pick up the book. But if you can't pick up the book, just go to myconfidencelanguage.com and take the quiz. And uh, we beta tested it in Phoenix last week, and 600 people took the quiz. And then we did a meet and greet, and so many people came up to me and said, "I have five superpowers. Is that right?" And I said, "You're more powerful than you think." And they looked at it on their phone and they were like, I don't think I'm giving myself credit for some of the things I have. I, I thought I'd have these two for sure, but I have these three. And we got into a really interesting conversation about parts of their life. They're like, yeah, if my kid was getting beat up at school, I would go in there like a mama bear and lead and self-sustain, which are two of the qualities. But in my professional life, I'm not advocating for myself enough. So I've got this superpower but I'm not activating it or taking credit or talking about it or giving myself credit for it. And what, that's one thing that I love that we're doing is you don't have to have all eight, although all eight are awesome, right? My, my mom has all eight, 
But once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I was very adamant about having this vocabulary for people to be able to articulate their strengths. We struggle with the words to describe ourselves. Our best friends can do it. Mm -hmm. And so the quiz is a quick and easy way just to say, oh my gosh, I scored so high on giving. I am the giver in this world. I so scored so high on... One of my favorite examples I use is one of our eight qualities is knowing. And this is, uh, the way I describe it is, if you're building Ikea furniture and someone's superpower is knowing, they've read the instruction manual, there are no screws left over, it's beautifully, you know, they've done the homework, right? They're process driven. I don't have this, my Ikea furniture, I always have two extra screws and it's slightly tilted. But I use the hidden figures women from the movie and the book and the real life story as their superpower was knowing. Think about how much systemic bias they faced, mm-hmm. how much they were disregarded. They had no reason to be confident, mm-hmm. but their superpower was knowing that they were the smartest women to calculate all of these incredible calculations to put a man on the moon right? or send a man into space. Mm-hmm. And I go, that was confidence. And they had no reason. They didn't fit any prototype for confidence in that era. Mm-hmm. So that's how I know that taking an inventory of your strengths matters. Mm-hmm. That's a great example and a great movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend, by the way, my friend, Shelly Williams is bringing it to Broadway. So that's, that's I will that's be there to watch. Yes. That's, she's, she's the first uh, African-American woman director for Disney musicals on Broadway. She is bringing, well, she's bringing the notebook to Broadway next spring, but I think in two years, she's going to bring hidden figures. That was, that's public information, but talk about, talk about something that celebrates a non-traditional definition of confidence. Absolutely. Oh, I love Broadway and I love that movie. So I will be there. (laughs) Okay. So to wrap this up, I have some rapid fire questions, but Lisa, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you have shared. I know this is going to be a huge blessing to all of our listeners, but let's have a little fun as we wrap up. (laughs) Great. Let's do it. So when you think about self-care, what fills your cup? I love dancing. And I am a member at Anna Kaiser Studios uh, gym and I hip hop dance and, and do all sorts of forms of dance three to five times a week with Anna and her team, because just getting my body moving is the way in which I fill up my cup. Absolutely. I love that. What's one mistake you learned in your career? One mistake I learned in my career is not asking for help. I do believe that we are trained to be superhero facades. Like we're all, oh, I got it all under control. And I do believe the most confident people are the ones that tell you what they're working on or what they don't have sorted out in their lives. And that means people, all of us want to help somebody. All of us have a savior complex. And so I really wish earlier in my career, I'd asked for even more help than I did. Mm-hmm. That has been a huge growth opportunity for me as well in my life. If you had a magic wand and you could bring anything, any person or any opportunity your way, what would it be? Oh man. If I had a magic wand and I could create an opportunity, right? I could do anything. Okay. I would have the largest ever random act of kindness rave. And What I would do, because I do believe in this, is every member of this rave would perform a random act of kindness to lift someone else up at that 
venue. Like I, I'm, I do think we're living in the most incredible wave of feminism right now where it's not about elbowing each other to get a seat at the table. It's that we can lift each other up without jealousy, envy. We can do it out of just, we don't have to compete anymore. And so I think that's what I would do with my magic wand. I'd have a random act of kindness rave. I love that. Would also, you like to come, make that happen? I, you know, I'm there. Lisa, <laughs> you know, I'm signing up immediately. I think, <laughs> I think that's randomly assigned. I think when you check in for your ticket, you get randomly go find this human and ask them what they need in their life. And if you can do it for them, you do it for them. I love that. I love that. We need to make, we're going to manifest that happening because that sounds amazing. <laughs> Somewhere outside the Philadelphia area. I feel yes, like there's yes. a lot of land where we could get yes. some really cool DJs. We yep. could get really great, great swag. T-shirts would be amazing. Yes. All the things, all the things. Oh, I love that. I love what a great answer. Okay. How often do you meditate daily, often, rarely, or never? So I have two meditation practices. Mm -hmm. uh, one is I have a prayer list. It's not necessarily religious, mm -hmm. but I read that study uh, a few years ago about women going through IVF. There was a group that somewhere around the world, I think it was in Korea, they prayed for those women. And then there was a group of IVF women that didn't get prayer. And then the women who were prayed for had greater chances of success in IVF. Mm -hmm. And so I have a prayer list where once a day, I think about the people in my life that most need my energy. So I do that every day. I do it sometimes on the subway, on the walk to work. It also subs as a gratitude list because it might be somebody I'm just thinking about because I'm grateful for what their presence in my life. And then the second thing I do is I do have a fixed two hours per week with no devices. And I'll go to a museum. Uh, usually it's a museum and I'll just look at art. And it often is where I've come up with the best ideas for my company. Like we make a jumpsuit that you don't have to get undressed in the bathroom to pee, right? Like that, I came up with that idea because I was just walking around a museum and I had two hours and I was just like, what problems could I solve in the world, right? What do women really need? And I saw a woman in a jumpsuit. I'm like, I, I just, I love that jumpsuit, but I'd never wear it because I, I just can't pee in it. <laughs> yes, yes, we've all had that problem. Every woman everywhere has had that problem. <laughs> That's fantastic. And then last question, all expenses paid vacation to anywhere in the world. Where are you going and who are you bringing with you? I'm taking my mom to Paris. She's oh. always wanted to go to Paris. I can't believe I haven't taken my mother to Paris. What's wrong with me, right? No, and you're on your way. She's always wanted to go to Paris. Mm. Uh, I'm sure she's going to want to get on a Chinese tour bus and see everything in three days, but I'm going to live with that. I'm going to be okay with that. But I would take my mom to Paris, That's which I, I'm going to do. I, I, I'm manifesting that one. We're manifesting yes. that one together. Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh, Lisa, this time has been so special. Thank you so much for being here, for giving us more insight to what it really means to have gravitas. And honestly, for taking that statement holding it with you in a very precious place and allowing it to become a superpower that you are now bringing to the rest of the world. Thank you so much. Karen, thank you. And I'm so excited to have my new rave buddy. We're going to yeah. go to a random act of kindness rave sponsored by your podcast and my company. Correct. More details coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. thank you, Lisa. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcast.